Watch the breakdown. Hey guys, uh, welcome. This is week five recap show. Yeah, so recap. recap. This weekend's games. So many crazy games. Yes. Uh, throughout college football, um, we had a lot of close games. Yeah. Uh, a couple upsets. Yeah. Um, and so let's get into first though. The top twenty-five was released for week six. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State jumped Clemson. Yes, I feel like that was kind of fair. Expected. Yeah. yeah. Um, Notre Dame jumped up to number six yeah. after their win over Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky is moving closer yeah. and closer to the top ten. They're surprising me every week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Colorado is twenty-one now okay. after their win against UCLA. They beat UCLA on uh, Friday, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Giving Chip Kelly yet another game where he is winless. Uh, 22, Florida. Florida is after their big old win. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, But the top four, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. I think Mm -hmm. everyone kind of expected this. Yeah. Um, And we probably will expect this up until maybe, what, like the third or fourth, like Mm -hmm. the second or third to last week of the season? Yeah, yeah. And speaking of why we expected that, we're going to start out by talking about Syracuse and Clemson because I feel like it's the biggest kind of like – Dramatic opposed to like Ohio State, Penn State, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, it was shocking. Um, mm-hmm. But Spencer, you called it. Um. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I, this was the only game I got to watch, and I was watching it as I was getting stuff ready for the New Mexico game, and I. I saw Trevor Lawrence go down, and I immediately texted you, and I was like, yeah. I don't know how I did it, but I called it. Yeah, he called it. He said that he's going to get hurt. And not really saying it like, oh, I believe he's going to get hurt, but saying it as in, like, as a possibility, and it... I'm just was, glad that for <laughs> once, like, we have an audio recording of me being right. So <laughs> you if you guys want right. to check it out, go to last week's episode. But you episode. did pick Syracuse to win, and they I did. did not. So. That's the only... That was, I got half right. You got I was, half right. I got half of it right. But the key of this game is Trevor Lawrence injury. Um, Spencer, mm-hmm. what does this mean for Clemson? Um, I'll tell you what. At first, like before watching Chase Bryce go in there, I, you, I, I said it was going to be a bust season. Mm-hmm. I think that Trevor Lawrence, he provides so much mm-hmm. offensive mm-hmm. power with his arm and with his legs mm-hmm. that it creates um, a tandem that is really hard for defenses yeah. to scout. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what. Chase Bryce came in there and really performed. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did. Went eight, seven to thirteen for eighty three yards, yeah. and that doesn't look great on the stats. But yeah. I'll tell you what, like he was making the throws mm-hmm. that needed to be made during that game, and I mean the running game was mm-hmm. already solidified as it mm-hmm. was for Clemson. Yeah, and for being six in the depth chart last January and being a red shirt, you just you don't expect him to go out there and perform as well as he did, especially winning the game for Clemson because it looked like it was in Syracuse's hands for a long time. In fact, Syracuse blew it, I feel like. Absolutely. They absolutely blew it. They definitely had the game in the palm of their hands, and they blew it, um, in my opinion. So if Syracuse would have won this game, it would have been their first 5-0 start since 1987, and they had so many chances, so many chances. So... Yeah, I feel like the defense just sort of gave the Clemson defense gave them the opportunity yes. to, and mm-hmm. you know there was a couple of times I was when I was watching there were a couple of opportunities that Eric mm-hmm. Dungy had that he just didn't make the right throw, mm-hmm. and then they tried to run in their running game. Mm-hmm. No ball carrier got over twenty five yards. Mm-hmm. Their their highest ball carrier was Rid- was Riley, mm-hmm. two carries for twenty four yards. It was. <laughs> 
And it's just crazy to think that, like, for Clemson, on the other hand, stop talking about Syracuse for a minute, I guess, but they went from having one too many starting quarterbacks to none by the fourth quarter. (laughs) And it's just, what do you do about that? And Dabo said it was one of the best experiences, one of the best games he's ever experienced ever experienced because he said he saw a team that didn't quit. And I, I agree with him. Yeah. I mean, they could have blown that game and honestly blown the rest of their season because of this game, but I feel like this gives Clemson a little bit more hope going into yeah. next week's game. Yeah. Another stat about Syracuse, they're 0-14 now all time in road games against AP Top 3 opponents. Mm-hmm. This was their one chance to sort of right the wrong of that history. Um, but, you know, if, if Syracuse had won, they would have been ranked. Mm-hmm. And honestly... It's kind of shocking, but they probably would have been at the top of the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, that just shows how bad the ACC is this year. Um, so we're going to go into MVPs. Mm-hmm. So, Lana, who's your MVP from this game? Um, Travis, it, how do you say it? It. We looked this up before the um, before Etienne, this. I think it's Etienne. Etienne. I don't know. Etienne. I looked it up three Etienne. times, and I still can't pronounce it. But you guys know who we're talking about yeah. <laughs> if you watch the game. Um, so, yeah, he had 27 carries, 203 yards, three touchdowns. He was just the key for the game for Clemson. Yeah, that's who my MVP was. But my runner-up was Eric Dungy from oh, Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that he kept them in there mm-hmm. as long as he could. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, he didn't have any touchdowns. He had a pick. Mm -hmm. Um, So on the stat, it doesn't look great. But 250 yards through the air, it looks like Syracuse is a pass-first offense. Mm -hmm. And um, so for him to really just come alive in this game, um, I think helped them for three quarters. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have a question for you as well with this game. Mm -hmm. Will Kelly Bryant return to Clemson? We we heard Dabo's comments about if he decided he wanted to come back, Mm -hmm. he would let him with open arms. He's still enrolled at Clemson right now. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Does he decide to transfer or does he decide to come back? If I were him, I would come back. (laughs) But because of the way he just got up and left, I don't see it happening. Um, Just because of all of the drama going on, but if I were him, I for sure would come back, especially in the scenario Clemson's in right now. Yeah, I think this is a weird scenario for Kelly Bryant right mm-hmm. now because of the because of his comments, mm-hmm. right? And he didn't let everything play out the way yeah. the way that this narrative was written. Mm-hmm. I think if he sat back and said, "You know what? Mm-hmm. This is just a decision for me. I have nothing but respect for my for my teammates, my coaching staff who tried to help me, but I'm leaving." Um, and then this happens, and then he decides, "You know what? Because of the situation, I want to come back." I think that this would make it a little less murky. I think mm-hmm. now, I think Kelly Bryant has a lot of decisions to make. He's like, well, you know, now at least for the next probably week, um, I, I would assume that Trevor Lawrence is going to be out next week. Yeah. Um, at least for the next week, the starting job's open. Yeah. Um, however, with the comments he made about mm-hmm. Dabo, with the comments yeah. he made about his position, I think it's in his mm-hmm. best interest to stay with his decision and transfer. Yeah, I agree. So now the next game that we put up um, on our story, we're going. By the way, we're going through this as we, mm-hmm. as Lana put out on our story mm-hmm. on Saturday. So if, if you don't under, if you don't know the games we're talking about, um, you should probably go follow us on yeah. the Instagram yep. at the Breakdown CFB. But Lana, which game do we have uh, next? Um, West Virginia and Texas Tech. So the Mountaineers remain undefeated. They're four and zero. They're still trailing Oklahoma for the spot um, as the Big Twelve leader, but. Um, I feel like West Virginia could have put Texas Tech away early, a lot earlier than they did. Tech definitely got um, momentum late in the third. Um, 
But Texas Tech has lost eight straight games versus ranked visitors. And um, that's just, after this, reading that stat, it's just almost kind of depressing um, for the Red Raiders. But um, Will Greer, being my MVP um, for this game, he is working his way up in the Heisman race. And honestly... He's probably one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now, right now, if not the best quarterback in college football right now, in my opinion. So, Yeah. I think you pretty much stole all of the points off my notes. Um, <laughs> I th- yeah, I think that this game um, was really a game that West Virginia should have put them, mm-hmm. like, should have put the last nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, but 17, Texas Tech scored 17 points in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. to make it a game. And it, it, I honestly think... If um, if they had not thrown a pick six, um, if if Bowman had not thrown a pick six mm-hmm. um, in that fourth quarter, yeah. I think this game would have been a lot closer than oh, it was. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I mean, like Will Greer is just on a different level right he now. He is. Uh, three hundred seventy yards, three mm-hmm. touchdowns. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't see that a lot, especially against a good Texas Tech mm-hmm. team. Like, yes, they were twenty fifth in the nation, but mm-hmm. Texas Tech still is a good team overall. Um, now, with that being said, Lana, do you think that West Virginia can not only stay atop the Big 12, but mm. do you think they can win the Big 12? I definitely think they have a shot, especially with Will Greer. He has his team on his back, and as long as he mm-hmm. can keep getting them win after win after win, I think they could definitely win the Big 12. Yeah, I think when you've got receivers around you like Sims, um, TJ, and the other in his counterpart, uh, you have Jennings. Who has who is five touchdowns I think on the year so far, and then Sills. I mean, you got four receivers that are leading your are leading your staff or your team right now. Um, I think with the weapons that they have, West Virginia should be a favorite in the Big Twelve. Yeah. However, um, these next couple weeks mm-hmm. will be the real twist. They'll be the real test um, mm-hmm. to prove if um, they're legit or not. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go into the. Texas versus Kansas State game. Um, this game, honestly, was a very this was a first and second half type of game. Yeah. Um, it was really upsetting to watch because it, it was, was a very so slow. Yeah, boring. Honestly, yeah. game to watch. I think if <laughs> honestly, like this big the big storyline behind this game was if if mm-hmm. Texas had not scored nineteen points in the mm-hmm. first half. Oh yeah, they wouldn't have won this game. Oh no, it was nineteen to nothing into halftime and so it was just a sloppy game overall um fun fact um texas had 80 yards of penalties in the first half and kansas state only had 64 yards of offense so that tells you anything texas had 104 total penalty yards that's just ridiculous yeah that's over the top (laughs) yeah um so nineteen fourteen was the final score. Mm. My MVP, and I, I look at your notes as well. Our MVP for the game, Sam Ellinger. Would it be anyone else? Honestly, honestly? <laughs> it, it couldn't have been anyone else no. because the, no one else really, I think, stood stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, twenty nine to thirty six, yeah. two oh seven, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So I have a question about this game mm-hmm. too. With this game, they're four and one now. Um, they're somehow one of the top teams in the Big Twelve right now. Do you think? that Texas is back. Are they back this year? Um, I'm not convinced. They have Oklahoma next week, so I think after that game and the way they play, not if they beat Oklahoma because I honestly don't think they will beat Oklahoma, but just by the way they play them, I will testify to that then. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still not convinced. I only ask because, you know, 4-1 and I think is 
a start that not a lot of people and maybe not even a lot of te- uh, Texas mm-hmm. fans thought. No, um, would I'm happen. definitely pleased, but yeah. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I like to see the fact that there's more parity now this mm-hmm. year, um, like we wanted back mm-hmm. all the way in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but with games coming up like Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, where those are both road games, mm-hmm. and then you you come back home after Oklahoma State and you play West Virginia. Yeah, I think that these next couple weeks are really going to Big we're really going to see we're really going to see the real Texas mm-hmm. in these games. Yeah. Um. So, which game do we got next? What are we um, we have Florida Mississippi State. Okay. And um, this is a game that I was looking forward to, especially with both of these teams losing to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very um, interested to see, even though one is in the East, one is in the West. Um, I was still very interested to see what was going to happen, especially with Dan Mullen, the talk of the town, him <laughs> coming back to Starkville to coach against the Bulldogs and. Honestly, he pulled out a win. But he did say, um, according to ESPN, he got really emotional talking to his former players after the game. He said, you just really don't understand the bond that a player and a coach has, even if you leave. It's Mm -hmm. just a really tight-knit bond that you really just won't understand unless you're a coach. And I really respect him for that, even mentioning that to the press. Um, But... Florida has won three straight since lost to Kentucky, so they are on a roll right now. So we will see how that keeps up for the Gators. But um, the Bulldogs have no offensive rhythm so far this year. It's just been really sad to watch. And their next games are against Auburn, LSU, and A&M. And I honestly don't see them winning any of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe A&M, but definitely not Auburn or LSU. Mississippi State only had 202 total yards the entire game. Nick Fitzgerald can give account to most of those yards. Um, but um, my MVP for this game was Felipe Franks. He had um, 219 yards and one interception. So uh, for me, he was definitely the MVP for this game, giving the Gators a 13 to six win over the Bulldogs. So. Yeah, I think that this game was um, important for Florida, Actually. not only for Dan Mullen but for the program as a whole, because mm-hmm. I think that there's just this entire time there's been a stigma around the fact that Florida in the in recent years they don't have a quarterback, they can't win big games. Um, they are struggling in the SEC. Yeah. Well, look at them right now. They're f- what three and one, mm-hmm. four and one, mm-hmm. four and one right now going on in the SEC. Um, but what I think we're seeing right now is it's like you mentioned with Mississippi State. They just don't have a rhythm yet. Mm-hmm. I think that they're. I think the problem is they're trying to find an identity. The problem is is they're trying to find it week to week. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Nick Fitzgerald, obviously a great quarterback, but when you only throw ninety eight yards mm-hmm. total. You're not going to win a football game. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not how it yeah. is. Unless if you are like Clemson and mm-hmm. you have a running back that goes for 207 yards. I think right now this is almost a little bit concerning for Mississippi State. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that they should definitely watch out for. But for Florida, um, you know they've got a game against LSU this week or coming into week six, and you know this can be a real test. LSU is looking real good right now. Um, they're obviously not putting up the big numbers that everyone would expect them to. But, um, yeah, this game is going to be – these next couple of weeks are going to be very important for both teams. And we can really find out which team in their new coach mm-hmm. is going to take them to the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is that's going to be important. Speaking of next level, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Kentucky is just – 
I'm honestly so proud of them. I feel like a mom proud of <laughs> proud of their kid, even though I'm not a Kentucky fan at all. But if you're an SEC fan, you know you're proud for the Kentucky Wildcats. Right. Yeah. And they just keep proving as year, week after week with this win over the Gamecocks, 24 to 10. I mean, what else can you really say? Like they were interviewing a player, I forgot who it was, but. I saw the video on Twitter, and they asked him how he was feeling. He's like, "I'm feeling great, man." Like, I mean, Benny Snell. It was Benny Snell. Benny okay, um, I didn't pay much attention, but I saw it, and it was it was just so great to see a basketball school known for and also cheerleading. But that's I mean, that's a different ball game, I yeah. guess. But they're known for cheerleading and they're known for basketball. Not much football at all, and just to see them, you know, still undefeated. Um, but a little downside for this game is both teams were penalized 11 times. Um, Kentucky had 115 total uh, penalty yards, and um, South Carolina had 94. So a lot of penalties in this game. But the fact that Kentucky's had their first 20, top 25 appearance in 11 years, that's just something to celebrate as an SEC fan. Yeah. Even if you're not a fan of Kentucky or not, it's still great for the conference. Um, but a fun fact about um Kentucky. This is a first sellout and the biggest crowd that they've had ever, with sixty-three thousand and eighty-one people at this game, and that they're making history mm-hmm. for the football program. And yeah. honestly, I, I'm proud of them. My MVP, Benny Snell. Yeah, I mean, period. yeah, I think that should be everyone's be- um, yeah. MVP at this point. Mm-hmm. Great, great dude. He has yeah. energy that lights up he, any he kind does. of stadium. He does. He's definitely a leader for the Wildcats yeah. for sure. I think that this was. It's really great to see, I think, mm-hmm. as a college football fan in general, because mm-hmm. you see a lot of the top-tier programs mm-hmm. towards the top ten. Mm-hmm. But then you get teams like UCF, mm-hmm. who is right now got almost on the brink mm-hmm. of that. And then you've got Kentucky, who is, who is there too. And mm-hmm. to see their resurgence, and I think it's based upon uh, Terry Wilson, their quarterback, transferring from Oregon, coming to Kentucky, and really electrifying this offense. He has 595 passing, t- passing yards um, in this during this season, mm-hmm. um, only two passing touchdowns, which mm-hmm. is kind of um, alarming. But when you have a back like Benny Snell, it really doesn't matter how many touchdowns you're throwing. Um, mm-hmm. Kentucky, this is the first time that they're three and zero in the SEC since 1977. Yeah, I think that that's a huge statistic. Yeah, um, and their defense, I think, really helped with. Um, getting past this Gamecock team because mm-hmm. this Gamecock team is a very good team. Their mm-hmm. record may not reflect it, two mm-hmm. and two, but they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and to force three interceptions and a fumble during yeah. this game, I think was very important because Jake Bentley. Let me tell you, he was he was doing pretty well. Thirteen to twenty eight, one forty eight, and a touchdown. If he hadn't had those three picks, I think we have a different game, um, and I think you see an upset. But kudos to Kentucky. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they are rolling right now at five and zero. Um, we'll see how they go the rest of the year. I mean, they have a test, a somewhat of a test in A&M next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, followed up with Vandy and Mizzou um, right before the big clash with Georgia. Um, but honestly, looking at Kentucky right now, do you think that they're a legitimate um, legitimate competitor to Georgia in the East? I feel like if anyone is a threat to Georgia in the East, it's Kentucky. Yeah. If anyone is, whether they're legitimate no, I don't think. I think Georgia is exceeding everyone in the East right now. Um, but if anyone is a threat to Georgia, it is Kentucky. But I don't see when they do play um, 
Georgia on November 3rd, I don't see it being much of a game, to be honest with you. The Bulldogs are just on a different level than anyone else in the SEC East, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that I agree. Kentucky is the only Mm -hmm. team that I would say and look at the East and say that they're a competitor to Mm -hmm. uh, Georgia. Mm Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think Georgia's sort of on this mm-hmm. this upper level yeah. now with Bama. They've they I think that they've mm-hmm. gotten to the upper level where Bama mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Now they're no they're not where Bama's program has been. Yeah. But they're getting to that point mm-hmm. where they're on this like tier one, mm-hmm. and then Kentucky and the rest of the mm-hmm. SEC East is like tier two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you mm-hmm. see Kentucky if you see Kentucky beat A and M, beat Vandy, beat Mizzou. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point they'd be what. Six, seven, eight, and no, mm-hmm. going into that game against Georgia. Yeah, I could see it being a close game. Yeah, I, I think that it could be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how Kentucky prepares mm-hmm. for Georgia, um, but It'll for sure, it would for sure be a game to sort of mark. They're going to have to play. I feel like perfect um, against yeah. um, the Bulldogs because. But I will say, five weeks ago, we thought South Carolina was going to have a chance against Georgia, and yep. they very much showed that not to be the case. Yeah. And with this win, 24-10, right? Yeah, 24-10. Against the Gamecocks, that that sparks up some questioning. You know, yep. do, does Kentucky – is Kentucky a legitimate threat? And that is a legitimate question, but I'm not really sure if we're there yet with Kentucky. Yeah, I think you mentioned a good point, you know, way back when in mm-hmm. week two we expected South Carolina to be like the second team in the mm-hmm. in, in the uh, in the East. Yeah. And they're the fourth. Yeah. They're the fourth best team in the East. Mm-hmm. And even then, they're close to being the mm-hmm. fifth yeah. with Mizzou right behind them. Um, so that game was a was a very good game, yeah. uh, twenty four to ten again with the Wildcats mm-hmm. improving to five and zero, three and zero in the SEC for the first time since seventy seven. Mm-hmm. So now we're going into the two marquee games mm-hmm. of this week. Uh, we're going to start off with Notre Dame Stanford. Yes. Um. Notre Dame Stanford's uh, Notre Dame won thirty eight seventeen. Did not expect this to be as much of a blowout as it was. They expected to be a little bit closer. Um, Spencer, however, did not think that was, but I did. Um, but um, the Irish limited the Cardinal to two hundred twenty nine yards on fifty one plays, and that just goes to show you how good Notre Dame's defense was in this game. Um, but I feel like this game definitely kills Bryce Love's Heisman hopes. Uh, we thought maybe, but after this game, I, I think they're down the drain at this point. Um, but what's interesting about the Irish is they almost had three players total for 100 yards or more in the first half. And I feel like that's an interesting stat to look at. Um, that Definitely they're running the ball well. Um and passing the ball well. Their offense was definitely um, key in this game, especially with the 38 points that they scored. Um, but my MVP is Ian Book. Would it be anyone else? <laughs> He's just on a different level, I feel like, especially for the Notre Dame, and especially with all of the hate that the Irish are getting for being independent and for not being legitimate. Ian Book has been that star player that's like, okay, if the rest of the team isn't good, Ian Book <laughs> is. And because yeah. of that, it puts them in a relevant category, especially being at number eight. I think they jumped to number six this week. Yeah. Um, that's big for the Fighting Irish. Yeah. Well, and that's that shows you um, how good a uh, team can be when they have a good quarterback yes. behind them. Um, and with a, with a guy like Ian Book, I think we saw when he first came in for Brandon Wimbush that this was going to be a different offense for Notre Dame. Um, and it was going to be a more up-tempo offense, a more air raid offense, but he can also run. 
Um, he had he's obviously my MVP too with 278 yards and four touchdowns. I mean. If it wasn't for him, I think that Dexter Williams, their running back, would have been my MVP. 161 yards and a touchdown. Those two together looked very unstoppable mm-hmm. against the Stanford team that was pretty much predicted to be, if not the winner, a runner-up in the Pac-12. Um, so this was a good game for Notre Dame to really establish himself in the playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, their playoff chances, they had the second highest jump mm-hmm. out of the entire college football. Um, they were at 34, previously 34%, jumped up 13% to 47 mm-hmm. um, And Stanford, however, went down to 9%. So I think that not only are we seeing Bryce Love's, um, ca- uh, his candidacy for the Heisman um, diminish, but we're also seeing uh, Stanford as um, looking irrelevant for the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is going to be a test. I mean, Notre Dame's going to have a lot of good teams with VT next week, Navy um, in a couple weeks, um, and then you've got FSU, Syracuse, USC as your last three games. Um, so I think we already sort of answered this, but does Ian Book make the Irish a playoff contender? I think it, he absolutely does make them a contender. However, with the rest of their schedule, if the rest of the top five play well, I don't think they have a chance yeah. just because I don't feel like their strength of schedule is strong enough to make themselves worthy of being in the playoff. But yeah. it definitely makes them a contender for sure. Yeah, well, I think you mentioned it, the, the schedule and mm-hmm. also the fact that they're an independent. Yeah. I think the fact that you don't have a conference championship at the yeah. end really hurts your shots it does. with the playoff. It does. Um, and Notre Dame is definitely going to need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, from teams below the top, well, below the top ten, mm-hmm. to maybe sneak an upset um, mm-hmm. yeah. on these top five teams, mm-hmm. but. I think Ian Book definitely makes them a contender. I do, too. I mean, it's back when Alabama was playing Notre Dame in the national championship. The Really, the only guy on the team that made them relevant for that was Manta Teo. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it ended up being a blowout, I've, it goes to show that their one player can make a difference. Yep. And so, with, Ian, with that being the case, Ian Book definitely makes them a playoff contender for sure. Even though it was not the playoff system, it still mm-hmm. makes them relevant for the playoffs. Now, let's move over to the Pac-12 side. If you're a Pac-12 fan in general... Um, did you just see your playoff chances for any Pac-12 team go mm-hmm. away with this game? If you're a realistic Pac-12 fan, I think it, yeah. I think this makes their, your playoff chances pretty much done mm-hmm. for the most part. Now, there's still a little bit of hope um, with Washington and even with Stanford still, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I think you've got, I think at this point, for me, if you're a Pac-12 person, you should automatically just, throw out mm-hmm. whoever's going to be the Pac-12 champion because you've got mm-hmm. Ohio State who's with their schedule should go to the Big Ten title game if not win it. You've got Clemson who they still have some good quarterbacks in the ranks that can win and they obviously the ACC is wide open so they have a mm-hmm. chance to win that. Yeah. Um, Alabama and Georgia I mean honestly Mm-hmm. Those two teams still might get in this year. Yeah. So you've got teams above you, and you even have an LSU team that could surprise someone in the SEC. Mm-hmm. There's just too much, I think, that's going um, against them for to mm-hmm. get a, for them to get a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know Washington could still pull off some surprising um, victories, and then some people above them could fall. But 
this is the beauty of college football. Yeah. You know, we we have these prediction, predictions right now, mm-hmm. and who knows, week six could bring a whole new conversation. Yep, it could, it could, absolutely. So now we're going into the game mm-hmm. of this week. It was. Um, Ohio State, Penn State. This would, mm-hmm. I think it lived up to the hype that it had around it, especially with it the did. whiteout. It did. I agree. And I was watching it with an Ohio State fan and a Penn State fan. And as an Alabama <laughs> fan, I was just sitting there living my happy life. But I was expecting it. I really just wanted to see a good game, and I got that with a 27-26 victory for the Buckeyes. However, although the Ohio State did win, I was very, very impressed with Trace McSorley. Oh, yeah. Putting up 461 total yards. Um, but I believe that he, the game should have been in his hands with that fourth and five. Most definitely. And it wasn't. And honestly, that cost him the game, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, I think that this game uh, was very crucial to um, Penn State, especially their playoff spot. Um, but look at, I mean, look at this stat. I mean, Ohio State-Penn State game in the last three years – um, each team has been up double mm-hmm. digits and lost the game. Yep. 2016, Ohio State was up by 14. Penn State ends up winning. 2017, we saw that 18-point comeback. JT Barrett had a light-out performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, Penn State up by 13 and can't put it away. Um, I think the huge storyline here, though, was definitely Trace McSorley. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, like for me, Dwayne Haskins is my MVP. But you know what? I think I'm going to change it to Trace McSorley because this guy... Um, absolutely You're shows something it different. To, to Trace I'm going to change it because here's why I say that is because Trace McSorley is the Penn State offense. He is. And I, I had a lot of doubts about him because he lost Saquon, and I thought maybe he's not the quarterback without Saquon, but he is most definitely the quarterback mm-hmm. without Saquon. I mean, he had 175 yards rushing and a touchdown, and he had mm-hmm. at least 200 and some yeah. yards passing. So to see him put up mm-hmm. that much. Um, on both sides of mm-hmm. the stat line was insane. It was just James Franklin. He should he should have trusted his quarterback. Yeah. I mean, his quarterback is a Heisman contender. So when you have a Heisman contender out there as your qu- quarterback, let him run on fourth and five. Do whatever he yep. needs to do on fourth and five. Trust that he can because there's a reason he's in the Heisman race. Well, there were three timeouts called mm-hmm. before that fourth and five. And it happened. reminds me a lot of the Oklahoma Georgia game when Baker Mayfield, being the Heisman winner, like, um, what's what's Oklahoma's coach's name? Anyways. Right now, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. He. The second half, it completely changed for Oklahoma. He took the game out of Baker Mayfield's hands, yep. and it cost them. Yep. And this was the same way for the Nittany Lions. Trace McSorley, the game should have been put in his hands in that situation. Yep. He could have won the game. You had three timeouts. You had two two minutes left with Trace McSorley as your quarterback. You could have won the game. Yep. And um, James Franklin just didn't. Yeah. He, he just didn't. Definitely, quarterback. yeah, definitely kudos to the Buckeyes though. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense in the last eight minutes, they were down twenty six to fourteen in the last mm-hmm. eight minutes, and they're n- notable guys like Chase Young, mm-hmm. um, and and everyone in company. Mm-hmm. They stepped up when they needed to, and I mm-hmm. think it was most important for yeah. them, um, especially Chase Young's uh, tackle in the backfield on mm-hmm. fourth and five. Um, but I think one takeaway that we can figure out is that Dwayne Haskins and Trace McSorley should both be front runners especially after this game. Both of them really, I think, stood out, um, impacted their team on the offensive side of the Mm -hmm. ball, and brought that. Um, Ohio State, however, had the biggest playoff jump um, in the the percentage. Um, They jumped up 
to 75% after being a 50% chance. Mm -hmm. And then Penn State went down to 16 after being a 40% chance. I mean, this game was definitely important for both both teams, and I think we saw that. And Mm -hmm. um, we have a clip as well from James Franklin after Mm -hmm. the game Mm -hmm. um, about about his team. Is we've gone from an average football team to a good football team to a great football team, and we've worked really hard to do those things, but we're not an elite football team yet. And we are going to find a way to get from being a great program, which we are, just so everybody's crystal clear, we're a great program. We lost to an elite program, and we're that close. We have gotten comfortable being great. We will no longer be comfortable being great. We're going to learn from this. We're going to grow from this. And we're going to find a way to take that next step as a program. Because we've been knocking at the door long enough. And it's my job as the head coach. I'm ultimately responsible for all of it. So I think we heard that a a lot from him in just that one presser. but would you agree with his comments? I agree that with everything that he said. I agree with everything that he said. They're not an elite program yet, especially like in this season that they are in. I don't think they should be walking out with their heads down because they definitely could have easily won that game. However, they do not need to be comfortable. Like no. he said, I feel like no. they are, um, and they shouldn't, especially in a conference like the Big Ten. So um, I think they should be walking out with their heads high and just going to the next game. No, they probably don't have a chance, you know, with the playoffs and everything mm-hmm. anymore, especially with the with the loss. But they definitely are a great football program, but they do need to strive for um, greatness. You know? Yeah, I, I think that his comments were um, right on point. I mm-hmm. think, like you said, they were right on point. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think that they're just a good program right now. Here's why I don't think they're a great program is because in those games like this, mm-hmm. you should cl- you should absolutely lock in. Mm-hmm. In that fourth quarter, mm-hmm. being up 13 points, you need to lock in. Yeah. And the great teams that are are on the cusp of being elite, beat those elite teams mm-hmm. by that margin. And I think that's why they're just a good team right now with some good, some really talented players. Well, he said program, not team. <laughs> well, even then, that program is still, yeah. they're building, they're trying yeah. to build back from arguably the ashes of the Jerry Zanowski scandal. Yeah. And I think James Franklin has done, he's, he's the perfect guy to mm-hmm. come back in this scenario, mm-hmm. bring back that culture. I don't think that they're. I I don't even think they're a great program right now. Mm-hmm. I think that they're they're getting really close. There's that fine line where they're great, and I think if if they beat like a Michigan, they beat Michigan State. If they play them this year, I think that that's when they become great. And then even going into next year, if they beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. I will say that they're a great program. <laughs> I will do that because I would you have said couple, they're a great program if they beat Ohio State yesterday? Absolutely. Okay. Because I think that. These games have been tooth and nail, back and forth, and it's been a more competitive rivalry than it has been with Michigan. And so when you have a team like that that is constantly pushing you to be your better self and constantly beating you at your own game, that's when I think they deserve props. And they deserve props mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. putting this game yeah. um, in a position where they, were, mm-hmm. they should have won. Yeah, and the fourth and five situation, I feel like, was a coaching fail. Yeah. Um, it didn't have anything to do, I feel like, with who was on that field. It was on who was on the sideline, in my opinion, in that moment. So, um, yeah, it was just it was really sad just to watch because they really had the game in their hands 
I feel like at that point. And using up two timeouts. The first one I understood, but the second, you don't do that, James Franklin. You just don't. And yeah. um, and that was a big uh, coaching fail on his part. I think there's a diff. I think there needs to be a a distinction where you let Trace make the call. Yeah. At, at that point, he um, has been his, the QB run. I think was the most. Um, potent play that they had in their system, and on a fourth and five, if they if he steps back, mm-hmm. drops back for to look like a deep ball and runs right up the middle, mm-hmm. I think that there's a hole there for that. Yeah. But again, credit to the Buckeyes for locking it down, um, taking advantage of what was given to them. Um, the screen play and the bubble play was definitely working for them. Uh, we saw that mm-hmm. um, as the game went on. So going into this now later on, what does the future look like for both teams? Um, for Penn State, just getting to the next game. I feel like not letting this define your season. Um, but for Ohio State, it's just keep doing, keep doing you. You know. Yeah. Um, you're kind of having to rely on. Um, well, you're in at this point, but you're also having to rely on other people as well, especially if you want a top spot. Mm-hmm. But honestly, just if you're in, you're in, yeah. and. The one, two, three, or four doesn't really matter as long as you're in, in my opinion. Um, but they just need to keep winning. Yeah, I think for Penn State, um, the mindset should be a bowl game. Um, yeah. It should be a, a second finish, a place second in the mm-hmm. East, right behind Ohio State. Um, but you got games like Michigan State. Iowa is a, still a tough game. Um, now they'll have Iowa at home, so that'll be an advantage. Um, because playing at Hawkeye Stadium is very difficult. Just ask the Buckeyes last year. Yes. <laughs> and then you've got Michigan on the road. Um, you have state. You have state at home, but Michigan on the road. And then you play Wisconsin the week after. So for Penn State, it's get through the schedule. Mm-hmm. For Ohio State, I say that they're a lock right now, but I'm not confident in it yeah. because. Um, Yes, the schedule looks pretty good so far. I mean, you've got Minnesota, you got Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska who's struggling. Um, but then you get into the last three games. You got Michigan State on the road. You've got Maryland on the road, and then you come home to play the game. Um, so for them, it's you know finish the job. I think mm-hmm. that this was this was the peak right yeah. there. That was the peak at the mountain to beat them. Now you're going on a downward. Now you're going down. Mm-hmm. You need to finish the job, win the Big Ten, get a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to move into the game that um, touches home yeah. close to my heart. Oh, mine um, too. <laughs> and close to campus's heart. Yeah. Uh, Liberty in New Mexico. Now I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be honest. It didn't look good at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, even before this game, uh, New Mexico, a group of five team playing the likes of Boise State, Wyoming, mm-hmm. Hawaii, even Fresno State as well. Um, and Liberty, I wasn't sure how the guys prepared, but let me tell you what, they prepared they very well. They surprised me. So I was just keeping up with it on my phone because it wasn't a live cast or anything, so you really just had to depend on ESPN or CBS Sports to tell you. But putting up 42 points before the half, I was just shocked. We all were shocked. Yeah. But we were very much <sighs> proud of how they bounced back after losing a devastating loss to North Texas last week. Yeah. It was just it was big for the Flames, and I, I couldn't be prouder of them. Yeah, I think that watching it from the sidelines, the first half was a half that I saw from ODU. That was the last time I saw this offense be this explosive. Um, And then the second half was kind of a fluke almost. Um, It seemed like um, the offense just couldn't stay on the field. 
defense was getting gassed because you know offense wasn't giving them enough time um and there were i think i think 43 points is not indicative of how the defense played defense played outstanding created four turnovers all interceptions um and had key tackles for losses i think there was a stat that we had 26 tackles for losses in the first half alone and so watching that and watching the defense play that well was good um but my mvp uh, for this game was Antonio Gandy Golden, mm-hmm. wide receiver, 11 catches, 245 yards, and a touchdown. And I say he's the MVP not because of the yardage, mm-hmm. not because he only had one score, um, but because in the big moments, especially going into the fourth quarter, um, when we needed someone to step up the most, he stood up the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Buck uh, was cramping um, kind of off and on in the third and fourth quarter. So Mason Cunningham is Mason Cunningham, his backup, was coming in, and Mason performed very well in that in that scenario. And I give him a lot of credit. Um, but AGG just seemed like the main target, and mm-hmm. he stepped up like the main target. Um, also behind him, BJ Farrow, a longtime veteran, 122 yards as well. So they pick up the slack on the D, on the offensive side of the mm-hmm. ball towards the second half, mm-hmm. which I um, personally was was very happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for you, Spencer. Did New Mexico look like the team that beat NMSU last week, 42-25? to Absolutely not. I think this was a different team that we saw. I think, And here's why I say that. I think that going into this game, New Mexico probably underplayed how good Liberty's offense is. I think that the defense, there's still a couple of things to fix, but they're minor details before mm-hmm. they become a very good defense. Mm-hmm. But the offense is very explosive, mm-hmm. and I think you saw that. Um, in this game, I mean Frankie Frankie Hickson, main ball carrier. Only he had two touchdowns, but he didn't have a lot of yardage, and that's because um, when Buck slings that ball and when he's in a groove, mm-hmm. he's in a groove. He is, and I think that they saw that. And the defense, mm-hmm. I, I give I give more credit to Liberty than I do New Mexico because oh, yeah. Liberty stepped up another notch, mm-hmm. um, and they looked like a good FBS team. Which is what so you want to see. I mean, that's what we want to see as a school, too, with yep. this jump to FBS. We wanted to see a team that would come out and fight. It, whether that meant wins and losses, it doesn't matter. As long as they come out and fight, whoever it is that they're playing. Now, Spencer, do you think preparation for this week will look any differently for New Mexico State than what it looked like for New Mexico? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, um, because I think you need to prepare for New Mexico State like you prepare for New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still a good team. Mm-hmm. The record does not show that, um, and they have not played very well when it comes to these past mm-hmm. five games. Um, but there is no uh, there is no um, level of ground that you should give up and sit back and say, okay, this team is lesser, mm-hmm. so we're going to coast. This yeah. is not a time to yeah. sit back and coast. This is an opportunity to move and improve to three and two yeah and i think when you improve to three and two mm-hmm. you are halfway mm-hmm. to a bowl game yeah and how crazy would that be if liberty puts it together and ends up being an alternate make and history. then gets into a bowl make history we're fulfilling the dream that jerry falwell had when he started the school absolutely we want to be the notre dame of um who we are yep. and so but we're not there yet obviously but um this win is definitely giving us confidence as an institution yeah i think that this is a huge step for the program um, will definitely look good for future recruits. Mm-hmm. I think that this helps a lot of other yeah. asset, facets of the game rather than just on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, this helps out a lot off the field-wise, um, and it was a good win. Uh, kudos to Turner Gill mm-hmm. and the offensive and defensive staff. Yeah. They've really prepared their guys well. Um, 
but this will be a test. Yeah. Because now you're going two weeks to the same state. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they mm-hmm. bounce back from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to move on from our games of the week and go into our Heisman watch. Lana, this mm-hmm. is sort of the point now where we have college football playoff rankings mm-hmm. coming out. We have a legitimate mm-hmm. Heisman race that's mm-hmm. going on. Um, a lot of things are mm-hmm. sort of shaping up yeah. now as it's sort of the halfway point of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of these mm-hmm. guys that I have, I'm going to list off the guys that I have on these that I think are serious contenders in the top six for Heisman. You tell me where you rank these guys. We obviously have Tua. Mm-hmm. Tua's in there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. Trace McSorley, Kyler Murray, Will Greer, and Benny Snell. Mm-hmm. Um, well... I agree with all of it. I do think Will Greer will jump Kyler Murray um, with this win um, over um, Texas Tech. Um, Benny Snell might even jump Kyler Murray, um, in my opinion. Um, But Tua, I think Tua is the better quarterback out of all of these guys. However, with Jalen not um, redshirting this year, I do feel like he will play more, and I feel like that hurts Tua's Heisman chances. Yeah. Um, if Tua were to play more um, than what he is, I would say absolutely. But as an Alabama fan, of course, I'm going to say Tua's better. But I honestly agree, he is better than all of these guys. But with Jalen not transferring this, or redshirting, He's going to use both very frequently, and I honestly think that hurts too as Heisman chances. Yeah. Um, Depending on how we do. Yeah, so you got two at one. So where is everyone else in the mix? Okay, I think it'll be two. I think for me, it's Tua, Trace McSorley, Dwayne Haskins, Will Greer, Benny Snell, and Kyler Murray. Hmm. Yeah, see, looking at this list um, that I sort of compiled, um, especially mostly focused on this week's performance. I uh, was very surprised that Nick Saban took two out after a quarter. I mean, eight of eight. And he put him back in in the third quarter, which I was also confused Yeah. About. But, I mean, I don't question Saban. Eight of so. eight, 128 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. Um, not a great stat line, but Mm-mm. honestly, really effective, really yeah. efficient. Um, I still have him as the one. Mm-hmm. I think that right now... It's almost like when Alabama's up there at one, and there's a couple that's that number two looks like. Well, what about him? It's mm-hmm. like, well, he's up. He's been up there for a while. Mm-hmm. I think he has he hasn't lost any ground mm-hmm. to not be the front runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but my number two is Dwayne Haskins. I think that Dwayne is really starting to um, raise eyebrows and really start to gain a lot of attention, and he should. Four or five games now with three or more touchdown passes. Um, and this is this is including games against Penn State and TCU, two top ten teams at the time. Um, and so I think that that's very impressive for him. Um, my number three is Trace McSorley. I think he skyrockets after this game. Oh, for he sure. He should, in my opinion. He should skyrocket up the boards because 286 yards in the air and 175 on the ground. Um, that shows you a multi-dimensional quarterback, and that's something that I think a lot of Heisman voters should look at because it's important to also look at the rushing side of it rather than the rece- than the throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, my number four is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray sat out, I think, a drive. I think that Oklahoma really doesn't like to discipline their guys. You know, Baker sits out a, a drive, then Kyler has interdisciplinary uh, issues, sits out a drive, but goes 17-21, 
432 yards and six touchdowns while also adding a rushing touchdown. I think Kyler, um, while he won't be an NFL guy, I think he'll be an MLB guy. I think as of right now in his college football career, he is um, making a lot of moves, a lot of positive moves. Mm -hmm. And then my number five and six is Will Greer and Benny Snell. I think that the problem with Benny Snell in in this moment is that the Heisman has kind of always been a quarterback race. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you to be other than a quarterback, mm-hmm. you really have to have impressive numbers. And 99 yeah. yards and a touchdown, yeah. while that's impressive, it's not the 370 yards that Will Greer has. It's not mm-hmm. the 286 that McSorley had. So Benny Snell is definitely someone new on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But I think he's probably, at the end of the year, don't be surprised if he's a top four Heisman guy at the yeah. end of it. Depending on how um, Kentucky does. Yeah. I think that also plays a major factor. Um, so that's week five recap. Um, yes. This is our second episode of this. and Yeah. Um, we will start doing recaps as well yep. as um, our predictions just because we feel like there's so much to talk about each week that we don't want to leave that part out. We don't just want to predict for the next week. We also want to talk about what it looks like from that Saturday and we want y'all's opinions too y'all's questions that you want us to answer um and just your thoughts um we really would love to hear from y'all um and if you haven't followed us on Instagram, please do so at the Breakdown CFB. Yeah. Um, we're, we post frequently on there, and also this podcast as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah this um, this is now the most important weeks of college football. Yeah, college football playoff is going to be right around the corner, mm-hmm. uh, which means that everyone's stepping up their game. Mm-hmm. As are we. Yeah. The breakdown does yeah. not slow down when we this don't. happens. This is the best time of the year, as mm-hmm. I like to call it. It's college football mm-hmm. season, then it's Christmas, mm-hmm. and then it's my birthday. <laughs> um, that's how it ranks. Yeah. So, like Lana said, make sure to go follow us. Make sure to subscribe to this. Um, if you're listening on SoundCloud or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe, like the page, uh, comment your thoughts on the video as well. Um, and make sure to share this with all your family and friends mm-hmm. um, because we will be continuing this throughout the season. Um, week six video or yeah. podcast will be coming out soon. Um, so make sure to turn on notifications to keep mm-hmm. up to date um, as well as just make sure to keep up mm-hmm. because yep. this college football season will go by in a, in a breeze. Mm-hmm. It will. So for that, we are signing out. Thank you for listening. Um, make sure to tune in for next episode. Um, and continue to watch on Saturdays. Yep. Bye, guys.